morning. It is so good to be with you on this Lord's Day. It's a beautiful day for us to be together. Appreciate everyone being here and having you know, the time together that we can fellowship you know, with one another in spiritual things and to bring glory to God and to his son, Jesus Christ. God is supreme. He is the supreme sovereign. He is the king absolute. And he has ordained and he has established governments. And he's established civil authorities to maintain order. Order in the societies that exist throughout time all over this world. And we as Christians you know, recognize that, uh, that individuals do not have the right to take the law into our own hands. We know that. And particularly we recognize that as children of God, as disciples of Jesus Christ, who is the king of kings. But also we understand that faithfulness to the Lord includes us obeying those laws. And so, for example, here in Romans 13, verse 1, familiar statement, where he says, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. And it goes on to expound on that a little bit more in that 13th chapter. But also, the effective, fervent prayers of righteous men do impact the affairs of men. And the reason why is because we pray to a God who ultimately judges it is God Almighty who judges rulers. It is God Almighty who judges nations. And one of the things that we learn in a study of the Bible is the fact that God lifts up rulers to accomplish his purpose. But also God brings down rulers. He removes rulers, likewise, to accomplish his purpose. Therefore, we are commanded, we are instructed, we are taught that we should be praying. And we should be praying without doubting. That is, we need to be praying with faith for all civil officials. Why? Well, we're told, as we noticed in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we need to be praying that so that saints, like you and me, may be able to live our lives in tranquility, in godliness, and in dignity. So we need to be praying. We need to be praying for our rulers. We need to be praying for government officials. But how should we treat people who are serving in those offices? How should we treat those people who are in those positions and in those roles of authority? Particularly, how should, we, how should we talk to them? Or how should we talk about them? The king of heaven, the one who rules above all dominions of men, has decreed that the kings are to be honored. 1 Peter chapter 2.17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. 
In a culture and in a country where civil liberties are passionately held up with fervency, and where freedom of speech is used sometimes as a covering of evil, governing authorities, governing officials today are critiqued and are criticized often in ways that dishonor them. We are commanded, we are instructed that we are to honor the king. I find it interesting when you think about our passage there in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, that both your fellow man as well as those persons who rule are to be honored. Both groups are to be honored. Honor all men or all people, it says. And then it ends by saying, honor the king. And you think about those two groups or those two individuals. Very different roles, aren't they? And so you have this one person who is, in a sense, our equal on the same plane with us. As well as you have another individual, another person who is in some way above us. And both of those are to be honored. Both of those are to be shown honor. Now, most everybody, whether you're a believer in God and in Jesus or whether you're an unbeliever, most people have an idea of what it means to honor somebody or to show them honor. We have a pretty good idea what that means. And one thing we do understand and we do know that it does not mean to be unkind. We don't honor anybody by being unkind to them. We know that. We also know it does not mean to be rude. Show, you know, showing rudeness in our behavior or in our communication does not show honor to that individual. And we also know it does not mean to mistreat the other person in what we say or what we do. That is not what it means to honor anybody. But to find what we, what we realize is that uh, to honor someone very simply means to respect greatly, to regard highly, maybe to confer an honor, even to exalt them in some manner or some fashion. And the English word honor is translated from this Greek word you know, that is timio. And it means to value, to prize, to fix evaluation, or perhaps maybe even to revere. So here you have this Greek word that the Holy Spirit used and chose to direct us regarding our obligation to show honor to other people. And the Greek word definitely brings with it a greater depth to this spiritual challenge. When it says, honor all people, honor the king. That there, yes, we understand that means to show respect and, you know, 
and have high regard, but it also means to put value to that individual, to fix a valuation to that person. And when you look at it from that standpoint, it does not allow for the emptiness of insincerely showing honor or insincerely conferring an honor on somebody and then verbally tearing down that person behind their back. We have not honored them. Even when I've gone through the motion of something, I've not honored them when I've done that. And we're told we're to honor the king. We're to honor those who are in positions and roles of authority that are in some way above us. And so therefore, Christians, Christians do not have an option to disregard divine instructions. We don't have the option to disregard divine instructions, particularly about honoring governing authorities. The revelation of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came when? What was it what came during the first century? What was the culture of that century? What was the environment of the, that century? What was the atmosphere? What was the tone of that century and centuries following? When you consider the reigns of Roman emperors and other civil authorities. As Americans, as citizens of the United States of America, we would not look very favorably in, in, in trying to put ourselves back there, would we? Because those individuals in, in the first century, in a general way, were not in any sense of the word very good role models, were they? Any kind of historical record or any kind of you know, research in regard to that, you know, the history of that times, you, you can pretty much very easily find you know, that the environment and also those who are in the, were in those positions of power you know, things associated with that were paranoia, violence, corruption, moral depravity. All of that, sadly, was very much the norm in that day. Tiberius's face probably was on the denarius when Jesus said, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Tiberius wasn't the best character, historically we're told. And yet, when Jesus questioned with this, he, he asked for a coin, a denarius, and, and, and he says, whose face is on this? And probably the face on the coin in Jesus' day was Tiberius. In Acts 18, Aquila, Priscilla, a couple that we admire their spiritual courage, their spiritual fortitude, their spiritual diligence. They personally experienced Claudius's unreasonableness when he expelled Jews from Rome. 
It was simply a political maneuver. He was trying to solve his problems. So, so let's, let's kick the Jews out of the city. Aquila and Priscilla were Christians. They experienced firsthand of being basically driven out of their home and having to make home somewhere else. And then you come to the days of the apostles, Paul and, and Peter. At this particular time, you've got the Emperor Nero. And Nero is known for his cruel atrocities. He's known historically for this. And particularly, he is known for persecutions that were directed against Christians. Now, he's not the only Roman emperor that persecuted Christians. But Nero is known for that. And Paul's and Peter, you know, they wrote their, their, their epistles during Nero's brutal rule. So when you're reading Romans 13, verses 1 through 7, it says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. Nero, Nero was in control. For there is no authority except from God, and, and, and those which exist are established by God. And that's a challenge for us, is it not? When the character and the morality and the leadership of authorities are questionable, as God and Christ believe. And therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Paul wrote this to Christians while Nero and all his men were in control. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do you do what is good and you will have praise from the same? For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Do I have, a, have the answer to all the questions that we may, a Christian may have asked at this time about their physical serve? Of course I don't. But I do know this is God's decree. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render all what is due them. Tax to whom tax. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. We don't have an option to disregard what divine instruction teaches us to be and to do as the light of the world. As the image bearers of Christ, the Son of God. Pray for Nero? Yes. Pay Nero's taxes? Subject to governing authorities then? Yes. Honor the king? 
render him honor? Yes. Now, what was Paul's or Peter's personal feelings about Nero's ungodliness and Nero's depravity and Nero's corruption? What was their personal feelings about that? What, was, what were their thoughts about the direction you know, Nero and his you know, alliances was, was leading the empire, the political you know, issues? What, what, what were their thoughts on all of that? Did they get on social media? Did they go to their marketplace and begin to rant and rave about all the wrongs being done by rulers? And all the wrongs being done by their politicians? Is that what Peter and Paul did? By the direction of the Holy Spirit. Ambassador of Christ wrote Romans 13. 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Peter 2. That's what they did. They were servants of God. Yes, in a very wicked, corrupt culture and time. But they were there to proclaim the truth about light. A light that could change people's lives and save people's souls. The failures, the mistakes of civil authorities, the failures of men in these roles and in these positions, like presidents or governors, senators, representatives or judges, mayors, commissioners, police officers, from top to bottom, we've got all levels of different positions and roles of authority the failures of men do not give us the liberty to dishonor. To dishonor any who fill roles who are due honor. It is often expressed by brethren among us that the environment of a country is unsettling. We are concerned and we care because we love our country and we love our countrymen. We love one another. And this environment is contributing to a great divide. But we're not of this world, my friends. Our citizenship is so much greater. And so we need to rise above and be the light the world needs us to be. And we need to rise above and be the light that our country needs to be. And yes, the increasing unrighteousness is gravely upsetting. It is gravely disconcerting. But you and I must not have fellowship in darkness. And that includes we must not be dishonoring kings, rulers, civil authority. We must not join the bandwagon of simply critiquing and criticizing and ranting and raving in ways 
that we should not do. Godly men of faith, godly men of faith honor the masters. Honor the masters who are over them. For example, an enslaved steward in Genesis 39, an enslaved steward took care of his master's estate with the greatest of integrity, unselfishly working so that his master prospered during his servitude and refused, refused on any level to dishonor him by taking something that was not rightfully his to have. A wise captive serving in King Nebuchadnezzar's court did not want the king to have to experience the humiliation foretold by his dream. And this vision was from God. But this particular wise man wished it could have been otherwise. And so in Daniel chapter 4 verse 19, it says, Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was appalled. For while, as his thoughts alarmed him, he just heard what the dream was. And he's appalled and he's alarmed. And the king responded and said, do not let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. He's wanting to know what it means. Listen to what Belteshazzar replied. That is Daniel, my lord. If only the dream applied to those who hate you. In his interpretation to your adversary. Here is Daniel. A wise captive. Not wishing ill will. On the one. He has to serve. Or you think about a Jewish cupbearer. To King Artaxerxes of Persia who addressed the king with the greatest respect using a cultural phrase that was very common when he says, let the king live forever. Here is, once again, a Jewish slave serving as a cupbearer under one who has all power over his circumstances. And he says, may you live a long life. Living in places and living during times which were not of their own choosing. Joseph, Daniel, Nehemiah, they didn't choose those times. They didn't choose those circumstances. And yet, what did they do? They affixed value. They affixed value to the men and to the masters that they served under. And they showed the greatest respect, both in their actions as well as in their words. And that's what we need to do. Even when times and circumstances are not pleasant and they're not of our first choosing. But it doesn't change what God has called us to be in a world that needs transforming. Not conform to, but transform. And that can only happen 
one person at a time. As each of us are touched and influenced and changed by God, by Christ, and the light of his word. So in conclusion, examine carefully what you say. Examine carefully what you post. Examine carefully what you share about those who rule over you. The law of Moses told the Israelites back in Exodus chapter 22, you should not curse God nor curse a ruler of your people. You know what? Daniel and Nehemiah never did. They were faithful to God. Solomon wrote about this as well in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 20. He says, in your bedchamber, do not curse a king. So even in secret, in your privacy, you, you know, we need to be careful what we say and how we say it. Because it's for a bird, the heavens will carry the sound, and the winged creature will make the matter known. Carefulness is not a word I would describe our culture when it comes to means of communication. You think about the culture we live in. Too often, people throw caution to the wind when it comes to words today. And technology hasn't helped that. It's made us worse. Technology provided more avenues for people to dishonor those who rule over them. Your governing authorities are not only God-ordained roles. God judges, and God will judge wicked rulers. That's God's department. And he will do it justly, and he will do it righteously, and he will do it with his purpose in mind. And in the end, he will be glorified. And so, yes, governing authorities are God-ordained roles, but also those persons that are in, in those positions, serving in those offices, whether it be in a local sense or on a state you know, level or even nationally, those that are serving in those offices are made in the likeness of God. You know, I may not like a politician's views, and I may not agree with his values and I may stand strongly on truth but that ruler that official is made in the image of God and James has something to say about that as well when he talks about how careful we need to be and how hard it really is to watch what we say James chapter 3, verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. And that's what God ultimately expects us to grow to do. To bridle everything about us. But it's a growing process. And you drop down to verse 8. Again, talk about the challenge of, of, our, of our words and how careful we need to be. He says, but no one can tame the tongue. 
It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. And so does that mean, okay, no one can do this, so I, I can just throw, throw caution to the wind? No. No, that means I need to work that much harder. Verse, eight, okay, verse 9, with it we bless our Lord and Father. Good. We should. He's worthy of it. But he goes on to say, sadly, and with it we curse men. That's not good. Men who have been made in the likeness of God from the same mouth can both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. What does that suggest about these brethren? Could it be that some of those in the original recipients of this Holy Spirit letter penned by James were blessing God in one moment and cursing man in another? Could that have been? You remember, no matter what the political environment is, whether we're in favor of it or not, we are God's children. We are Jesus' disciples. And we need to recognize that all men, all people are made in the likeness of God. Period. And that itself calls for a sense of respect. A sense of value. And a value to be placed on our souls. And so honor the king. But then finally, close with this passage. In Ephesians chapter four, 5, verse 4, it talks about our speech. You think about you know, how the application of this verse is, how it goes with our thought and our study today. It talks about the, what is proper among saints. In verse 3, it talks about certain characteristics, certain behavior that are not proper. And we're to put that away. And then in verse 4, it turns to our words. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. I would suggest to you, any words that show dishonor, any words that do not honor the king, that do not honor civil officials, are not fitting for saints. It's not fitting for us to talk that way. It's not fitting for us to post that way. It's not fitting for us to share things that way. Why? Because such things do not reflect the image of Christ within you. Show Christ. Let Jesus be seen in all that you do and say. Do not be conformed to this world. That's an easy thing to say. Romans 12 there. Hard to do some days. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How much we need that. Today and every day, and we need to remind ourselves of that. And that includes the way we respect you know, those who are in positions of authority over us. 
And it may be the policeman that pulls you over. Or it may be that official in the clerk office that you're frustrated with. Or it may be that individual that you, that you voted for but is not proven to be the person that you thought they were. It doesn't matter what level or position they hold. Whether it's one of great power or one of lesser power. The Apostle Peter in the days of Nero told Christians honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Don't be conformed. Let us, none of us be conformed to the culture we live in. Let us be transformed. Transformed because of Jesus. Jesus reigning and living in us. And if you're not a Christian, we want to encourage you to make that commitment. It's a commitment of faith. You have to believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God. And with that firm faith, you've got to walk that path of faith by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is God's Son, repenting of your sins, and being baptized into Christ. So that you can be raised to walk a new life, to live a life that's different from this world. And that means you talk different. You post different. You share differently. Because now Christ is your king. If you're a Christian and there is sin in your life that you've not repented of, that you've not confessed to your father, if we can assist you any way this morning to make your life right with your God and with your Lord, we invite you to encourage. Please come forward, make your wishes known while we stand and sing the song that's been selected.